You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, I want to say two words and then you respond back to me with this. So Sienna Cypress downtown, digital family as well as the loop. So I think you know what's going to happen. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So good. You know, I only get to say he is risen. He is risen indeed one time. You know, that's all. But Merry Christmas, you could say it weeks and weeks before. Instead of Easter, you just say it on that one Easter Sunday. We are so excited that you're here. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. And as you're getting there and grabbing your listening guide, I want to just tell you a couple exciting things on top of what Kylan said uh, that, uh, that we want you to be a part of. This Saturday coming up, Christmas Eve service. We're going to have 12 Christmas Eve services with all of our campuses, three here at the Loop, and then another nine in all of our different campuses. So that's going to be awesome to be able to have that. And then Christmas Day, we're so excited about being on TV, about being online. It's going to be great. We put together a special thing. It's going to be really amazing. You know, we did the research. This happens every seven years. Seven years ago, we dropped by about 85% in attendance um, on Christmas Day, but it still takes 100% of the effort uh, to make it all happen. And so we thought, let's do something kind of. Let's reach, instead of 85% less people, let's reach tens of thousands more people through Channel 2, Channel 11, and that was before online was even cool, okay? So now, to be able to have that, so we're excited about that. Be praying about that and seeing what God will have for us. So we'll do 12 services on Saturday, and then we'll reach tens of thousands of people on Sunday, and so that's really exciting. Be praying for that, inviting people to come. It's really easy to say, Channel 2, Channel 11, that's super easy to be able to do, so be doing that. We've got a new devotional coming out for 2023, Experiencing God. We're doing that as a church, so grab one of those. And then lastly, this is way ahead, but it'll be here before you know it. On uh, January 8th, we've done Daniel Fast for six years. Remember that? Six years of Daniel Fast. Well, I got good news for you. The seventh year is a year of Jubilee. We're going to do Daniel Feast is what we're going to do. All right. So and some of you are like, yeah, all right. This is going to be great. Now we know Daniel fasted more than he feast, but we're going to look through the Old Testament feasts one a day of looking for those seven days. And we're going to have all of us pray. Here's what I want you to hear. We are going to, for seven days, January 8th to January 15th, for seven days, we as a church are going to pray 24 hours a day for seven days. What we're going to do is we're going to each take some 15-minute increments, sign up for it online, and we're going to pray in those 15-minute increments. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to challenge you later. Take a hard time and take an easy time. Everybody can't do 9.30 in the morning, all right? We need somebody at 2.30 in the morning. So we're going to jump in, and we're going to have thousands of people praying for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, feasting upon the greatness of God, and then we're going to give you some fun things, a feast and Old Testament feast, all that stuff. So, man, we got some good things coming up. How exciting. And even exciting today, Romans chapter 8, we're going to conclude that. It's been said that if the Bible was a ring, Romans would be the diamond and Romans 8 would be the glistening on the diamond. So this is the greatest chapter, some say, in all of the Bible. Now they're all great. We know that. But this one chapter 8 of Romans is huge. And so as we jump into this, we're going to see how amazing it is. We're going to see that we have gifts that God wants to give us from heaven. He wants to give you gifts. 
Will we receive them? Will we put them to use? Will they be active in our lives? All throughout this series, I've been giving you all these gifts. I'm going to give you three more gifts of God. So the tree surrounding the tree is packed underneath the tree with Romans 8 gifts. Now, you're going to get one of these at some point, or you're going to give one of these at some point in these next couple weeks. Gift cards. You're going to get one. You're going to buy one. Gift cards are awesome. They're amazing. You think, oh, what should I get them? And you think, I'll just get them a gift card. Then they could get whatever they want. And so we have gift cards that we like to give, which is great. I'll give some. You'll give some. It'll be great. It'll be an awesome thing for gift cards. Let me tell you what. Do you, let me ask you a question. Do you have an unused gift card somewhere in your possession? Is there somewhere a piece of plastic? You don't know if there's 10 bucks on it or 100 bucks on it. You're not really sure what happens. I just, I write down with a Sharpie on the back what's remaining so I'll at least know what's going on. So we have this gift cards. We have unused gift cards. Let me just blow you away with this. An article in USA Today in September of 2022 said, if you haven't used that gift card to go shopping or get a meal, you are not alone. A new survey from creditcards.com found that nearly half, 47% of Americans, have one unused gift card or a voucher, or a store credit. Here's what the total is. Across the United States of America, we have $21 billion in unused gift cards. $21 billion in unused gift cards nationwide. That's why these companies love to sell you these gift cards. They get the money, they don't have to give you the product, right? It's great. But it's easy for us to give as a gift too. We like getting them, it's great. $21 billion of unused gift cards. And I ask you this question, do you have unused gifts of God in your heart? Are there things that God has given us, we're not swiping, we're not spending, we're not using, we're just maybe storing it up somewhere, but it's not active in our life. I'm gonna give you three gifts out of Romans chapter eight, and we're gonna see these together beginning in verse 31. We're gonna do verse 31 through 39. Don't get nervous. We're gonna spend a good amount of time on 31. Then we're gonna put down the gas pedal and we're gonna make it through 32 to 39. All good stuff. First gift is what we're gonna get in Romans chapter eight, verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? All the rest of Romans chapter eight. If God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us, who is against us? Your first gift out of Romans 8, verse 31 through 39, out of three, here's your first gift. Be amazed at the gift of God for you. Be amazed at the gift of God for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you know that God is for you? He's for you. He's on your side. He's on your team. He loves you and he likes you. He wants your life to be incredible. He wants your life to be impactful. He wants you to have great joy in your life. He wants your relationships to be intact. He wants you to glorify him with your life by the way you live your life, the way you handle your work, the way you handle your home, your finances, your your griefs, your trials. He is for you. And we see here that there's victory in Jesus. He's got our back. We never have to wonder if he is against us. If God is for you, who can be against you? God is the majority, right? God's the one that's in charge. Everybody else can be against you. God is for you. We see the goodness of God in this. We know that the heavenly father is for us. Now think about that. Doesn't always feel like that, but it's true. 
God is for you even in the midst of a trial. James 1, for consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. He is for you in the trial. In the midst of cancer, God is for you. In the midst of grief, God is for you. In the midst of challenge, God is for you. In the midst of heartache, God is for you. But we only assess that or equate that, that God is for me if I feel like he's for me. And I'm giving you a fact, not a feeling, that the Bible itself, through the Apostle Paul to the people of Rome, he says, if God is for you, who can be against you? He is for you. Psalm 56, 9, I know this, that God is for me. God's for me. Your heavenly Father is for you. How amazing is that? Now, something we say to our, our kids a lot, and uh, they hopefully have, have got this in them. And so we've got a lot of things that we say, and sometimes, uh, you know, it's good. And sometimes it's probably not so good. I remember one time I asked my kids, all the wisdom that you've heard me preach, all the things we've said, what's the one thing you're going to remember? And they sit around the dinner table, don't use all the hot water. That was the phrase. <laughs> they were joking. It was, it was a joke, but I was like, well, that is true. I, I do believe that. Um, but there's other things. So one of the things that we do say to them is this. And this is a good one. Put in your parenting, put in your grandparenting, put in your friendships. Here's what we say. No one is more for you than us. Now, I'm not trying to trump God. God's more for them than we are. That's my whole point. But no one on planet Earth is more for you than us. We've done the late night rocking to sleep. We've done the changing of diapers. We've been to every little league game there is to go to. We've been to all sorts of school events. We've paid for everything. We've done everything. We've been on vacations. We've done, there is no one more for you than us. So when we say no, it is a for you no. Students, listen. It's a for you no. When we say wait, it's a for you wait. Now we want to say yes. When we say, yes, it is a for you, yes. There is no greater love, and I know some of you don't have, you know, the greatest parents in the world. I get it. But most parents' hearts, it's a for you heart. And we tell them there's no one more for you on planet earth than us. You ever need anything, you come to us. You ever need any wisdom, you come to us. You ever get in any trouble, you come to us. You ever have a great joy, you share with us. We want you to know Team Mott is the place that we are so for you, and we want you to know that. And as much as we're for them, God is for them even more. If your earthly father knows how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give gifts? We'll see in a second. If God gave us his son, how much more will he give us all things along with that? We are for him. So when doubt creeps in, if God is for you, Romans 8 is the spike the ball, drop the mic moment that God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? And doesn't it feel good when someone's for you? When you get that attaboy, when you get that cheer in the stands, when you get that, you're going to make it. Doesn't it feel good when someone's for you, when you need a little course correction, you've, you've gone to the wrong place, 
And you need to get to the right place and someone is for you and helps you do that. That's a blessing. Let me tell you a funny story. Just a couple months ago, Kelly and I went to Nashville, Tennessee. I was invited to speak at a conference there to next-gen ministers, which would mean um, youth ministers, student ministers, down to like preschool, so that next generation. And some of our staff went, so I was excited about hanging out with them a little bit. And so it was going to be great. We got to the, to the airport. We got a good parking spot. We're rolling with carry-ons. Everything's smooth. It's going to be great. The hotel is going to be downtown. The conference is at this Music City deal. So we're going to be in this kind of Nashville vibe. It's just Kelly and I. We're heading up there. It's going to be great. We get to the airport. We're rolling in. I pull out my phone and I grab my phone. I said, well, let me get on the airport Wi-Fi. So I start trying to put in my, my flight number into the airport Wi-Fi. We hadn't gone through security and it wouldn't take my flight number to get on the Wi-Fi. And I'm like, what's the deal? And so I, I, I'd seen there. So I, I look back at my boarding pass to make sure I had the right flight number. And I had seen right there Southwest Airlines. So Southwest Airlines, we were standing there in Hobby Airport. Because Southwest is Hobby, right? United is intercontinental. Do you see where this is going? So I didn't even look at the airport. I just saw Southwest. My assistant had actually put in bold red font, intercontinental on the boarding pad or on the the sheet I had with all the stuff we were going to do. So here I am standing there and I realize we're in hobby 45 minutes before the flight leaves and we're supposed to be in intercontinental 45%, uh, 45 minutes before the flight leaves. There ain't no way you're going there, right? When I have a church, you know, there's no helicopter going to pick me up. Not going to happen. So we're there, and so I tell Kelly, one of the fun things about Kelly is like she really believes, I mean, she just, she just goes deep onto whatever's going on. So I go, you're not going to believe this. She goes, what? <laughs> I go, this is, so I'm like, uh, you know, I didn't milk it because I was nervous too, but I was like, this would be a great time to really milk this, but I'm not going to do it at this moment. So I said, you're not going to believe this. She goes, what? What happened? What? What? Is it bad? Is it bad? Just tell me if it's bad. Is it bad? Is it bad? Have anything to do with the kids? Anything to do? Did I do anything wrong? I didn't do anything. I said, we're in the wrong airport. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, we've done this a thousand times. I mean, how do we not know? Well, we just thought Intercontinental United Southwest Hobby. So I said, well, let's go to the gate. Let's I mean, uh, to the, to the check-in counter there. Let's just see what can happen. So we're walking up to the check-in counter with a big smile. Hi, how are you today? And we're praying, dear Lord, help us, God, please. I mean, I can't call the cops and be like, I am so dumb that I went to the wrong airport. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be able to speak tonight. And so we get there and this lady has a big smile. We say, hey, you're not gonna believe what happened. We tell her the story. She looks at Kelly and she goes, is he your beau? <laughs> and she says, for 25 years, he's not my beau, he's my husband. He, we, are, we are tight. And she says, oh, that's great. Well, let's see what we can do. She's launching a missile, right, is what's going to have to happen here. I don't know what takes so long and why they don't have mouses that they use to click on things, but for whatever reason, they need to type everything that there is to type. So they type this whole thing in, and she looks at me, and she says, guess what? And I said, what? She said, there's a flight leaving five minutes after your flight in Intercontinental from Hobby, and you can get on it. No change fee, no anything. Here's your boarding passes right there. And I was like... And she said, here's a little something extra. And so she gave me this other piece of paper and I walked off. And you know, when you're going to deal with airlines and if you work for one, be a nice person, but I'd rather be B 
beat with a stick, right? Then have to deal with the airline sometimes. It's just hard. It's hard, right? Please hold. Four hours later. So in this whole thing, she was for us. And in customer service, it's hard to get people for you anymore. She worked everything out, handed us our boarding pass and a little something extra. I look what the something extra was. Free mixed drink or beer on flight. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't think she recognizes me, you know. <laughs> so then I got this quandary. I'm like, well, what do I do with this? I hate to just give this to somebody and be like, the pastor of First Baptist just handed me a free beer. <laughs> so I... Well, what did I do with it? Should I leave you in suspense? Uh, I threw it away. We got onto our flight. We got there and we got to Nashville and it was great. And I'm telling you, when you get somebody for you when you're in the wrong place, it means the world to you. And I want you to know many of us in our sin and our ways of thinking and the, the unused gifts of God, we're in the wrong place in our heart with Jesus. And God is so for you. He wants to get you in the right place with God, in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is about, is Jesus being born on planet Earth because God is for you and wants to get us in the right place. And that right place is at his throne in heaven and on our knees here on Earth. That's a pretty good gift, isn't it? God is for you is Christmas gift one. Bible commentary, Bible knowledge, knowledge commentary says, since God has given us the greatest gift of all, his own son, will he certainly not, he will certainly not hesitate to give all believers all other things pertaining to and leading to their ultimate, uh, ultimate sanctification, meaning God's going to give us all things. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 32 through 34. It doesn't stop there. So God is for us, we see that, and who could be against us? Verse 32, he did not spare his only son, but gave him up for all of us. Now, when they heard this in their culture, they thought of Abraham and Isaac on the mountainside. That's what they thought of. He did not spare his own son. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Verse 33, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Who is the, God is the one who justifies. God's in charge. You don't worry about what anybody else says. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised, the cross to Easter. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Behold, the gift of God is with you, is the second gift. What's your next gift card? Behold, the gift of God is with you. God gave us his son. His son is with us. He died on a cross. He rose again, and he is making intercession right now. Do you remember last week? The Holy Spirit is on the other side of the table helping us live. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us before God the Father. Jesus is also interceding for us. So we don't have to worry about perfect prayers. We just got to lean towards God. We just got to put our hearts towards him and say, I want to pray, Lord, and I'm going to give it to you. And then Jesus and the Holy Spirit they can intercede on our behalf to make sure that it's in accordance to God's will. Behold, the gift of God is with you. He did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. Christ has been raised and he's at the right hand and intercedes for God. Now get this. God's not only for you. God is with you. 
When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart because of your belief in Christ's death and resurrection. Just said it in the verses. And now you don't have an ambiguous God in the sky. It's not just a somewhere distant out there somewhere. It's not may the force be with you. It's not some kind of just ambiguous all roads lead. Jesus Christ died on a cross, rose again, born in a manger, so that we could have a relationship with God. He is with us. How amazing is that? Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. You know this verse, whether you know it or not. I'm going to give you, it's easy to memorize. It's just Matthew 1, 2, 3. Matthew 1, verse 23. So here's the 1, 2, 3 of Matthew. Here's what it says. A virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, say these four words with me, which is translated, God is with us. One more time. God is with us. Emmanuel that we sing about means God is with us. God's not just for me. God's with me. He's with me. We are together. We are one. And he shows that by giving his best. And that's his very son, Jesus Christ. He gave more than you could ever imagine. And he even brings back a prophecy back here from Isaiah of there will be a virgin with child and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And I just want you to hear this. Hear this. I'm I'm speaking to your heart. If you have this Christmas, there's an empty seat at the table from someone that's passed away, maybe this year or years back. God is with you. God is with you if you're in a season of grief. If you're in a season of trial and you are being or have been betrayed, God is with you and he's for you. If you're in a place of hurt and you don't know what to do, God is with you. Last week's message, the Holy Spirit's on the other side of the table helping you to lift. 17-letter Greek word. God is with you and we have to take great comfort in that And if you're celebrating with great joy, God's with you. Allow him to take you through it. He has given the best Christmas gift you could ever be given through God, through Jesus Christ. He is with us and he intercedes for us. Now thinking about this Christmas, what's the best gift you've ever gotten? Maybe it was a gift card. What's the best gift you've ever gotten? Well, I did a little, little Google search here clicked around on this this link that I got, and it gave the 20 most expensive gifts ever given, okay? Now, we're not going to do all 20, but I picked out three. Three expensive gifts that were given. One, Katie Holmes got a Gulfstream jet worth $20 million as a wedding gift from Tom Cruise. Now, I know your jet's only $10 million, but this was a $20 million $20 million gift in 2006. She received this from Tom Cruise. I mean, he maybe even flew it with his Ray-Bans, you know, I don't know. But to be able to get this $20 million gift from Tom Cruise is a wedding gift in 2016, but unfortunately by 2012, she filed for divorce. Take it back a generation further back, Elizabeth Taylor, lady of the, the kind of 60s and 70s, 
She received from Richard Burton a $6.6 million diamond ring for her 40th birthday. It was a 68-carat ring, 68-carat diamond ring. And she received this for her 40th birthday. Today's numbers, it'd be worth about $6.6 million. And they ended up getting divorced in 1978. They took the diamond and they sold it and they built a hospital in Botswana with the proceeds from the diamond. So that's pretty cool. Amazing, a jet, a ring, a gift for a woman who had died, the Taj Mahal in India. Kelly and I have been there a couple of times. I'll show you a little picture here of the Taj Mahal. There's my wife and I at the Taj Mahal. Our church, you should be so proud, has done a ton of ministry and still does in India. India, I've been there three times, I think, maybe more. It is amazing. What a great place. It is awesome. And so we got to go to the Taj Mahal there. Great time. Amazing. Our tour guide took us and our group into the inside of it where the tomb was of the wife. And he said to one of the ladies in our group, he said, if your husband built this, would you you think that he loved you? And she said, oh yeah, oh yeah. And the husband was like, man, what are you doing to me, terror guide? You know, I can't do this. So she said, oh yeah. He said, well, what if you found out this? He didn't build this for his only wife. He built this for his favorite wife. Would you still feel as loved? And she said, absolutely not. Slapped her husband, even though he'd not done anything wrong. <laughs> There's a difference in love of being the favorite wife and being the only wife. And I submit to you, ladies, that it's preferable to be the only wife of true love than it is to be the favorite wife with an $872 million tomb. And I tell you this, Jesus Christ was God's one and only son. And he was sent for me and you as the greatest Christmas present in the history of all of eternity because it meant that God was for us and meant that God was with us and it's faster than a jet, it's better than a diamond and it's more precious than any tomb because your tomb, 872 million, it won't be like that. And guess what? Who cares? Because you won't be in it because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It can be a pine box if you know Jesus and you step into heaven and see the streets of gold there. God is for you. God is with you and with me. And he has given his very best to make this happen. So you don't worry about what the stars are gonna get for Christmas. You don't worry about what happens on the most this or that. You just trust in the Lord's presence with you. Swipe that gift card. God's with you. Number three, and finally, Romans 8, verse 35, it says this, who can separate us? Now watch, we're going to see love mentioned three times in five verses. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He gives seven things, and oftentimes a biblical number of seven shows completeness. Can any of these seven things separate us from the love of God? Completely no, can't happen. As it is written, because we are being put to death all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. This is to Roman people, difficult time to be a Christian. He's saying, I know, even from the Old Testament, it's hard to walk by faith. And then he says in verse 37, no. 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Second time. For I am persuade, persuaded, 10 things are about to come, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from what? The love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The, set, the third gift that we have is this, believe the gift of God's love towards you. Believe the gift of God's love towards you. He's for you. He's with you. He loves you. That's a pretty good gift card. He's for you. No one's more for you than God. He's with you. He's inside your soul if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. And he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son. He died a death on a Roman cross and rose again so that he could be in relationship with you that was separated because of your sin and my sin. How amazing is that? Let me put together Romans 8 for you. Romans 8 starts in verse 1. It says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it ends in verse 39 by saying, there's no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you get that? There's no condemnation. You can be forgiven of your sins. There's no separation. The love of God is strong enough to hold you. And when we realize there's no condemnation and there's no separation, it brings adoration in the heart of the believer. So we could say, come, let us adore him with everything that we have in our heart. Letting God do his work. John Stott, British pastor and commentator said, the apostle perspective stretches our mind as he ranges from eternity to eternity. He begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. In both cases, those who are in Christ Jesus are the ones that partake of this. Let me give you three things on the love of God as we wrap up. Three quick things on the love of God. Number one, the love of God is unstoppable. The love of God is unstoppable. He says there's nothing that can separate us. He gives us 10 things. None of them can stop the love of God. He gives us seven things in verse 35 of challenging circumstances. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It is unstoppable. It says, if you look in verse 37, no, in all these things, all these calamities, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That word conqueror is a really interesting Greek word. It's got a, a preposition before it, and then the word of conquer, victory, and it means this, to continually be victorious, to keep on being conquerors to a greater deg degree, to keep on winning a glorious victory. The, the preposition in front of it means it's going to keep going, and then it means victory. Do you know what the Greek word used here is for victory? You ready? You're going to know it. Nike. Nike, that's what it is, right there. So when you see the marketing of Nike, you say, praise God, I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. That swoosh is for your soul. We are more than conquerors. His love is unstoppable. Let's put it in an illustration like this. Y'all remember the old Motown song? It's made it through every generation. I mean, we've had Marvin Gaye sing it. We've had the Supreme sing it. We've had the Temptation sing it. We've had Diana Ross sing it. It's popped up in movies. All of us know this song. Here's what it says. There ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me away from you. You know it. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no river wide enough. Ain't no valley low enough to keep me away from you. Oh, yeah. And I tell you, you take that and you put that on the Lord. There's nothing that can keep him from you. 
Ain't no mountain high enough. He died on the top of a mountain called Calvary. Ain't no river wide enough. He is the living water of God. Ain't no valley no, low enough because even in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with us. Yeah, let's cheer for that. Come on. His love is unstoppable. Unstoppable. And his love is constant. His love is constant. No fear can separate us from his love. He is constant in his love. 245 times in the Old Testament, a uh, 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 Hebrew word, hesed, H-E-S-E-D. It means steadfast love is used 245 times. You know where it's used? One place is after they built the golden calf in Exodus 32. In Exodus 34, God explains himself or, or, or describes himself, I should say. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast, constant love. His love is constant. So let me just get deep with this right here. Maybe you're going through a painful divorce and love is ended. God's love is constant. Maybe a death has felt like love of that loved one is ended. God's love is constant. Your business, your school, your whatever, God's love is constant. Even though other things do end in life, they do. And they're painful and they're hard and it's a loss. And I just want you to hear the love of God. No mountain high enough, no, no river deep enough, no valley deep enough, no river wide enough to keep him away from you. His love is constant. And we've got to hear this because God's not up in, in heaven plicking off daisies saying, I love him, I love him not. I love him, I love him not. He's constant. He loves you. Hear this, write it down. His love is based on his character, not your actions. That's a game changer. God's love is based on his character, not your actions. Our actions come and go. His character always remains the same, the constant love of God. And we need that. It's the only cure for an anxious world and generation. Can I just give you something? Barna Research did a study, 2020, largest study they'd ever done. And they found that half, listen, students, listen, young adults, Half of those 18 to 35 years old, 49%, almost half, expressed anxiety over important decisions and they were afraid to fail. Half of the 18 through 35-year-olds, so you're in good company if this is you, a lot of people, experience anxiety. Anxiety is different than worry. Worry is particular. Anxiety is just a blanket. It's like a mist that never lifts. Anxiety over, will I fail? And how do I make an important decision? And I put next to that the constant love of God. I'd say place your anxiety, your fear, all those things. First of all, you are going to fail. You might as well just let that fear go away. You will fail. Just fail early and small, okay? That's what you want to do. You put your fears, you put your anxiety at the edge of the beach and you let the waves of the love of God cascade over that over and over. And it will become like a sandcastle being taken away by the tide. And you let God have his constant love, his unstoppable love. And then number three and finally, we'll wrap it up, his unlimited love. The love of God is unlimited. 
Psalm 36, verse 5, Lord, your faithful love reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. It's unlimited. Did you see what it said in verse 39? It says, no height nor depth. Now, there's a lot of things in here that it says, angels or rulers, present things, things to come, powers, all these things. All those, we could preach a sermon on every one of those. I'm going to just pull out one because I thought this was really interesting, something that I, I did not know, nor heights nor depths. Here's what was taking place. The people of this time felt like the stars in which they were born under determined how their life was going to go. So the height of the star would be when it's at its zenith, and the depth of the star would be as it's about to rise in the night sky. Here's what, what it says, William Barclay in his commentary. Paul speaks about the height and the depth. These are astrolo astrological terms, and really astrology as well, but space. The ancient world was haunted by the tyranny of the stars. It generally believed that everyone was born under a certain star, and therefore an individual's destiny was settled. There are some today that still believe that, but in the ancient world, it was a haunting thing that supposed domination of people's lives by the influence of stars. Height was when the star was at its zenith. Depth was when it's at its lowest, waiting to rise. And the people, and Paul says to the people of this age, the stars cannot hurt you in their rising or their setting. They are powerless to separate you from God's love. So when he says heights and depths, these people go, whoa. And let me just say as a side note, it's the same stuff of horoscopes and astrology and all that. Don't do that stuff. Don't do that stuff. God is in control of your life. I mean, you really think all the people born in these certain months, this is how it's going to go for them that day? I mean, come on. God is in control. And he says, I want you to know God's love is unlimited. Even the stars cannot hold it. So let me bring it together. God is for you. God is with you. God's love is towards you. That love is unstoppable. That love is constant. That love is unlimited. So here's the deal. You'll never hit your quota. You'll never run out. You'll never find God on the bankruptcy, verge of bankruptcy of, of love. You'll never see all that. So if you need approval from people, let it go. God's given you approval in Jesus Christ. If you are in a place where you're searching for love in all the wrong places, ladies, let me tell you what, no man can do what the Savior can do. No woman, gentlemen, can do what the Savior can do. You fall in love with Jesus and let God take care of everything else in your life. If you need affirmation and accolades and trophies in your career, I hope you win a bunch and do a great job, but know that you've got approval in Jesus Christ. You don't have to parent alone. You don't have to be married alone. You don't have to go through trials alone. He is with you. He's with you. So I submit this to you as we wrap up. $21 billion of unused gift cards. Is there gifts of God in your life that you're not letting be put to use? Are there gifts of God that aren't being put to use in your life? Yeah, I, I love, God loves me. I got, I got, I got it. I got stuff to do. Swipe it. Spend it. Use it. Pray with it. Preach with it. Listen with it. Go to church with it. Parent with it. Married with it. Single with it. Widow, widower, grieve with it. Celebrate with it. Walk with it. And you'll find God can take you a whole lot further from hobby to intercontinental. He can take you from earth to heaven.
through his son, Jesus Christ. So I'm giving you gift cards. I hope they're not gonna go in the drawer. Use them and experience, especially at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. Because there ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no valley deep enough. There ain't no river wide enough to keep him from me. And I want to have that same heart and say, I want to go to you. Condemnation, no. Separation, no. Adoration, yes. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. If we're in the hardest of spots or the best of spots, Lord, that we would just be able to trust and walk and lean forward and know that you are interceding. The Holy Spirit is interceding. We've got a gift card, the resurrection, the cross. How much more could you give us? Visa's got nothing on you, Lord. So God, we come. We thank you that you're for us. You're with us. You love us. And we want to just turn all that back to you, God. May we not be bored with these things and underwhelmed, but deeply receive and go, wow. Thank you, God. We're going to worship in just a moment with just one song, and then we'll be dismissed. Would you take a quiet moment in a busy season right now? Just pray back to the Lord. Tell him, thank you for these gift cards, these truths, these gifts. If there's one that really rose up for you, just tell him, I, I heard you, Lord. That's the one I need. I get it. Just for a second, would you pray right where you are? Maybe you need to pray with somebody. Maybe you need to understand more about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to join the church. There'll be people all over the worship center standing, facing you, just ready to talk with you, ready to pray with you. They are for you, I promise you. Let's worship him, knowing that his love never fails, never gives up. You, Lord, you've got us. No condemnation, no separation. So now in this time as we worship you, may we bring adoration. God is with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.